Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We've had a wonderful, wonderful morning and now the afternoon is here and we are simply excited to share God's word. It's amazing every service, it's the same but it's different. People will say all the time, uh, we hear them say, man, I've stuck around and came back for the second service or came back for the third. I was there in the morning uh, because they had to serve or they had to bring a family member or whatever it may be. And it was a little bit different, but the same, but different. Here's the reason why. Because God sends different people, we have to allow the Spirit of God to minister to that crowd. It's amazing how the Holy Ghost knows the hearts of every individual It's the spirit aspect of every service that allows you to get ministered to personally. So we're grateful for that. For those that are new to Riverside Church, we have given an opportunity for you to help know and learn more about the Bible. And we have a resource. We have all of our syllabuses that we've produced in-house. We are in a semester. We do things by semester here. And instead of doing a sermon series, you may not even be familiar with the sermon series. But we do semesters. And you should be familiar with semesters just like a college or just like school. And we produce these in-house. If you don't have one, uh, you can scan the QR code right now and have the digital one. And do we have any others available? Okay, we do. So if you will, if you want one of these, don't have one, raise your hands and someone will bring it to you. One of the ushers will bring you one. Would you like to have one of these? You don't have one? Raise your hand. They'll bring them to you right now. For the adults that are here that are going to follow along the semesters, we would love for you to have one. If you will, turn with me in your syllabus. You can stay seated for now and just follow us together. I'm going to read the, the week's lesson and what we're doing in the teaching is based on the Mosaic covenant the covenant that God gave to Moses now let me help you understand this very quickly because there are so many people that are here for the first time that came out of different denominations and so forth that you're transitioning into this this new place of walking with God and we want to help you introduce you to him and him to you and And we do that by the scripture. We do that by teaching. And we also do that by creating an atmosphere for you to worship and feel him. In the syllabus, it says that we're going to talk about concerning Moses and the covenant God made with him. God establishes the Mosaic covenant with the people of Israel at Mount Sinai after he led them out of Egyptian slavery. Now, most of you have seen the movie, maybe the Ten Commandments, heard about it, uh, reference, even in maybe Sunday school or someplace, you should know who Moses is. You've heard of Moses. Why did God raise him up, and why did God use him the way he did? Within this covenant, God supplies the law that guides and instructs Israel on how to worship, build the tabernacle, and be in right standing with God. And there's your answer. For those reasons, this covenant is what separated the people of Israel from the rest of the world and made Israel God's special treasure, according to Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. A special treasure. That's how God views you, as a special treasure. And as long as Israel was obedient to the law, they were blessed by God. But if they broke the law, they would be cursed, according to Deuteronomy eleven twenty-seven. Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law by hanging on a tree, by being nailed to a tree. The scripture says, cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. But Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice for you and I and the sin, which the sin is when we don't keep the law. Now, we're not under the law. We are under grace. And I'll explain that in just a moment. But here's the transition. He established a new covenant between God and his people by being the perfect and final sacrifice. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. 
But the typology and the symbolism for this was found through the plans of the tabernacle and the instruction that God gave to Israel to enter into that holy place where God's presence was. God commanded Moses to do some things that would be instrumental where he can dwell among them, where he can be with them. And this was the plan of the tabernacle. But then he gave them the law. And the law was nothing more than the commands of God for them to abide by so they can stay in covenant with God. And as long as they kept the laws, then God was able to bless them. Now that I read of all, all that to you, will you stand to your feet this Sunday morning in honor of God's word? We do this around here just because we never want to lose the reverence. And we do it just because God's word is so worthy. We just want to keep that atmosphere of honor concerning God's word. Acts chapter 7, verse 30. In the New Living Translation, we're going to be talking about this sermon. It's actually a sermon that was spoken by the apostles. And it says it like this concerning Israel. Forty years later in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. He went to get a closer look, and the voice of the Lord called out to him. He says, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and did not look, dare to look. This is God speaking from a burning bush. He shook with terror. You have to ask yourself, what would you do? If you had a visitation from God, the voice of God came and said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God reminded him the reason he was there was because of the covenant he made with Abraham. It started with Abraham. Last week we talked about Abraham. And so he goes on further and he says, verse 33, Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard them. I have heard their groans and have come down to rescue them. Now go, for I'm sending you back to Egypt. The story is that Moses felt the call to help Israelites, the Israelites, his people in Egypt. But he took it into his own hands and he killed Egypt, an Egyptian. And he did it the wrong way. Now in his 80s, God visits him again and says, now go back. So this is all in preparation. But what's really important to understand is, is that God wasn't done with him. Many times we feel like we fail and fall out of the will of God when God visits us again and says, I'm not through with you yet. Never stop serving and believing and pursuing after your purpose that God has for you in your life. He's not through. Turn to somebody and tell them, he's not through with you yet. He's not through with you yet. If you still have breath, God is going to use you. He can still use you. So God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected when they demanded. Listen to this. Now he's preaching to them about Jesus. When the people said, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? That was the question they had. They didn't accept Moses. And through the angel who appeared to him in a burning bush, God sent Moses to be the ruler and savior by means and by means of many wonders and miraculous signs. He led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea. Will you say this with me? The Red Sea and through the wilderness for 40 years. This was part of God's plan to transition them. Here's the last verse. Moses himself told the people of Israel, God will raise up you a prophet like me among your own people. And that was Jesus Christ. I'm going to hopefully with God's help make sense of this for you to help you. If you take notes today and you allow this teaching to resonate inside of you, let it open up your mind and your heart. You're going to get an understanding today that's going to put you in a position to see God's promises fulfilled in your life. How many of you believe God has a promised land for you personally? He does. Not only in the world to come, but in this world right now. We are all called to fulfill the purpose of God and his will. That his kingdom will come and that his will will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 
Will you make this your prayer right now and just pray for this moment and say, Lord Jesus, we consecrate this moment right now. Let our minds, let our hearts, let our thoughts, let our spirits be attentive to hear the word of God and let the spirit of God bear witness with it. In Jesus' name. One more time, give him some affection. Somebody just let him know how much you love him right now. Come on, somebody. Just let him know. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And you can be seated. Thank you for standing and worshiping and coming to church today. Thank you so much. Once again, we described the Abrahamic covenant, how he was called Abraham, and then God added to his name and breathed into his life and gave him the vigor and the longevity to produce child and have a son by the name of Isaac. All of this would lead to many, many people, many men and women who God would use as a vehicle to fulfill his purpose, which ultimately now we know was the king of kings, the ultimate lamb of God. Everything pointed to Jesus. When you begin to look at Jesus' ministry to his disciples, what you have to take note of is that Jesus referenced all of his teachings to the Old Testament. Everything was for the future of establishing the kingdom of God. God has always had a kingdom and God has always been king. But when God tried to establish it in the earth the first time, Adam lost it. But God still made a promise to Adam and God still made a promise to Abraham and God still was making promises even to Moses. Until the time when God would come into the world robed in flesh and he sent his son to become the sacrificial lamb. To become that lamb, he went through a process of types and shadows and teachings. So Jesus sat down with his disciples for 40 days and 40 nights after his resurrection. He sat around the fire. At one point, the doctor, Dr. Luke, would write in his gospel and also in the book of Acts. He was the author of the book of Acts as well. And testified to say that Jesus sat with them and explained Everything that Moses wrote, everything that the prophets said, everything concerning the law, how it all pointed to him. So when we begin to read the Old Testament, if you know nothing about the Bible, I want to help you today and tell you the Bible is comprised of 66 books. It's divided into two parts, the Old Testament, the New Testament. And everything within the Old Testament has everything to do with the coming of the Messiah the covenant that God would make with his people. How God used many historical figures who weren't just characters out of some book who are and were living beings. And now with the Lord, in one point of the scripture, we actually find Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's having a conversation with some of those patriarchs up there. And Elisha was one of them. And there are some things in the, in the spirit world we don't understand that takes place. Jesus had so many dynamic episodes of miracle signs and wonders that took place in his ministry that only God can really help us understand. Miracles are part of the attributes of God. They're nothing to him. It's natural. It's supernatural. God used Moses the same way. Just like Jesus, but Moses was used in such a different manner at a wide scale of deliverance. God told the Egyptians, let my people go. They didn't. They saw 10 plagues. The last plague was that of death to see the firstborn child pass and taken from them. But the blood of the lamb that God commanded them to do on the doorpost saved Israel. And it, death passed over them. This was a type of Christ. As they come out of Egypt, they go into the wilderness through the Red Sea and intended to go to the promised land, took a number of years. 
one whole generation passed. But God used Moses. And I want to show you that no matter how big the miracles can be, God can do miracles in your life, but it's miracles that open up your heart and you have to allow the Spirit of God to come in to change it. It's miracles that come into your life to open up your heart to see what God can really do and what he's capable of. If you've ever been healed by God, that is the goodness of God, the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. God wants every person in the world to see his goodness, his blessings. That's why it rains on the just and the unjust. God is good to everyone. And when something bad happens in the world, that's not God. And it's fair to say this when you understand his covenant and his means of operation within humanity and in this world. All the bad things that take place in this world, people like to blame God for everything. But as long as things are good, they like to also take the credit. But every good and every perfect gift comes from above. Here's, the, here's what I'm trying to tell you. All the blame for every sin in the world was taken out on Jesus at the cross. God redeemed us. But God has never one time said to anybody, it's not fair. I gave my son. This goes back to Abraham again, offering Isaac. But God knew he would raise him back up. Just like he knew Jesus would be raised from the dead. All of this was done for you and I. All of this. So when God came in and gave the covenant to, Mo- to Moses, it was different. Now it came with condition. It was con- a conditional covenant. Abraham, all he had to do was believe. Moses had to abide by the laws. The reason why is because now God's people were fixing to go through a transition. Coming out of a life of Egypt, a sinful, paganistic belief system with false gods, Now God had to change his people's hearts. His people, children, were born in this atmosphere. Many of them didn't understand covenant. Many of them weren't taught the ways of Israel or the ways of God, but they cried out. For for, for years, they cried out. And finally, it came to before God, those that did believe, those that knew the good days, those that were still alive, that understood what it was like to have Joseph in reign with Pharaoh and God's favor upon them in Goshen and everything else. They understood and it carried on. Some of them were taught by only telling the stories. But now God comes to Moses and said, I've heard my people's cry. And I'm going to use you. Not just to get them out of Egypt, but to fulfill the promise and free them and also to keep them free. This is what the law was supposed to do. They always wanted to revert back. I can't be hard on them neither because I have found myself since being saved and born again and having an experience with God. I, I, I found myself before wanting to revert back to things I knew before and trusted. How about you? Have you ever been tested before after you got saved or when you started walking with God or you were filled with his spirit, even having an experience with God, water baptism, no matter what stage you're at, no matter how much God revealed himself, no matter how many miracles you've seen God do. I believe we're sitting in a house of miracles. I believe we're sitting in a house of miracles. Last week, we had somebody testify the third service. Ma'am, I don't know if you're here today, wherever you're at. If you're here, will you raise your hand? She's not here this service. She probably was here the first. She wasn't here second service. Colon cancer. Scared. First time to come to church. We prayed. She went back for the surgery and the biopsy. No cancer. No cancer. Even today, right now, I believe prayers leave this place and leave your life and God begins to work. There's somebody even here today that came to church for the first time. They were diagnosed with cancer. 
they came back and got the doctor's report that it was all gone. Is that true? Right there. It's natural to see miracles, but miracles are there to open the heart to prove to you that God wants to be intimate with you and be personal. Israel never let God pass that point. Israel never allowed God to go into that place. Therefore, they didn't understand that all the whole reason for the Ten Commandments was to deliver them and open their hearts to him. I want to show you the Ten Commandments really quickly. I just want to show you this. And by the way, there are more than 10 in the Bible that God gave commands, commandments to. There are way more. Some scholars have even written down 613 exactly. Some have said, arguably have said 300 and something. But regardless of the amount, there are more than 10. So here's the, here's the question. If God originally started with 10 and Israelites couldn't keep it, why did God even put more in there? If men and women could not keep the commandments... And then watch this. Jesus comes on the scene and he had, he had number seven. Yeah, I got it right. Number seven. Thou shalt not commit adultery, which is a physical act under the law. But then Jesus comes in and said, if you even look at anybody. He, almost, he intensified it. Took it 2.0. Covenant. Like now just raised the bar. Why? The heart condition had everything to do with it. When God gave these commandments, he wrote them down on stone tablets in the Old Testament. You do the research, but I'm fixing to give you scripture in just a moment to verify and validate this one statement. It represented the stony heart of Israel. It was written on stone. And these commandments, when you look at them, they're a direct reflection of the lifestyle and the habits that they had in Egypt. God was just trying to get the Egypt out of their heart. Case in point, when Moses goes up to get the commandments, what's the first thing they do when they don't hear back from Moses? They pressure Aaron into building a golden calf. And you know what Aaron did? He complied. He took all the spoils and the earrings and the gold and he made this calf. And you know what he said? A slap to almighty God. He said, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. So Moses is praying and God says, Moses, the people you brought out. Now they're not his people anymore. The people you brought out. God's smart like that. Don't mess with God. You'll be his people one second, the next minute. You don't even, I don't know who you are. You ever done anything like that? Your family? They do something embarrassing to you and everybody comes and looks at you. I don't know who they are. That's what God did. No, but I don't know who they are. They just... Moses, the people you brought out, I'm going to destroy them. They're worshiping another God. He said, I'll wipe them all out and I'll make a great nation out of you. And he could have done it. He did it. He did it before. He wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah during Abraham's time. He was going to do it during Moses' time. He did it during Noah's time. It just takes one to make a great nation for God. He did it through Jesus. And here we are. Just one. All of these things. So guess what the first commandment was? You should have no what? other gods before me why what was that that was the conditioner of their heart all they knew were other gods they were dependent on other gods then what's the second one the second one is you should not make idols before god could deliver the covenant the scripture says that moses broke the tablets because they broke the covenant read it That doesn't mean that God did away with it. It was a representation. And I'm going to give you something in just a moment to show you what happens when we break the commands of God. And I'm also going to show you the benefits of the blood of Jesus. 
When you study the book of Exodus and read all these commandments, these are all dealing with the heart condition for God to set them free, but not just to set them free, but also to keep them free. Number one, God not only wants to f- us to be free, but to stay free. To stay free. Every one of the commandments were meant to keep Israel free from falling away from God in their hearts. But their hearts were hardened. They didn't have what you and I have today. But it had to be established. God had to use this in order to establish a means of education, of development. The ball had to start rolling. Not everything's going to be perfect when it begins, but everything great starts off small. Never despise the day of humble beginnings. They were in the wilderness. There was nothing fancy about that environment. It was a wilderness, but God had a promised land, but they couldn't see past the wilderness. Some people can't see past their testing ground. They were given a promise but they were ended up in testing. And for this reason, this is where God's spirit comes into our life to open our hearts, open our minds, give us clear vision, and help us to have the grace to walk out God's commands. I want to show you this in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. It says it like this. Hebrews, write this down. Hebrews 3, verse 7 says, That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, harden, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. He's talking to the church. Don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled and they tested me in the wilderness. Wow, I thought God tested them. No, they tested God. God was taking them through a reformation, a transformation. They thought it was a test. Nope, it was a cleansing. It was a cleansing. But it says right here that they tested God. He said, there, there, your ancestors tested and tried my patience. Can you imagine trying God's patience? That's scary, even though they saw miracles for 40 years. I'm telling you, miracles don't change your heart. They open you up to the one who does the miracles. When you see God move in your life, it is that moment in time where you have to open up yourself. to. That's why miracles, healing, signs and wonders is your introduction to get to know the God who wants to change your heart. It's proof that God exists. It's proof that God sent Jesus into the world and raised him from the dead and poured his spirit out. God wants to validate his presence. And so I was angry with them and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. You must each warn each other, it says. Talk to somebody, encourage somebody. Tell them, don't give up, don't give in. Keep pressing forward. It's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin or your hardened heart against God. For if we are faithful to the entrusting God, just as firmly as when we first believed. How many of you remember that when God first saved you, when God first filled you? Remember the faith that you had? It didn't matter what came your way. God was still good. God was still faithful. God, he loved me. He saved me. Don't forget where God brought you from. Don't forget that initial experience. Don't forget, and you think that those were the good old days because you had a walk with God. That was just the beginning. Now you're in the wilderness. If you haven't passed it yet. Some people live in the wilderness for years. Because they don't understand. It's just a test. Remember verse 15. What, I, what it says today. When you hear his voice. Don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Someone make this your prayer right now. Will you repeat after me? Say Lord Jesus. Don't let my heart get hardened. Keep me tender. Keep me tender. 
keep me tender. Point number two, God's commands keep Egypt out of our lives. His command keeps Egypt out of our lives. It keeps Egypt out. How is that? This does begin with the heart. The Lord knew we couldn't keep the law of command out of our own will. And some of us have a strong will. Some of us are, have some tenacity. I mean, some of us prove this by trials. Some of this proves, some of you prove this by, by obstacles. I mean, how many of you have ever wanted something so bad, nothing can stop you from getting it? You worked hard for it. You strove for it. You never stopped asking. You never stopped pursuing it. It didn't matter if it took you years. You got it. We all have that ability. But until we start desiring the things of God, we're never going to grow. The same way. Spirit baptism, experiencing God, you have to want it more than you want anything else in this world. Unless you know the value of it, understand it, and experience it, and see the fullness of it, you'll never develop the desire. So at some point in your life, you're going to have to make this your prayer. Lord, show me. Give me a new experience today. Show me what your presence can do in my life besides just peace of mind. Decide besides just bringing my anger level down. It's more than emotion. God wants to do more. God wants to do more. But it begins with the heart. And, and, and so it's not impossible to keep the laws and the commands of God. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. Jeremiah 31 and 31 says this. The day is coming, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with our ancestors when they took them, when I took them by the hand. When did God take them by the hand? It's amazing. Think about that. God took them by the hand by stretching out his hand. God showed them. He took them by the hand, led them out of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, saith the Lord. But this is the new covenant. Are you ready? This is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel that day. What day is that, saith the Lord? That's the day of the Lord. This is when God saved you. This is when God put his spirit inside of you. This is your birth date right here. Are you ready? You want to hear it? One person, maybe, possibly. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts, not on stone tablets, on your hearts. How? By his spirit. I will be their God and they will be my people. Why? Because the Spirit of God, when given to us, causes us to walk and keep his commandments without even trying. I've seen this time and time again. People that come to God, never read their Bible, but yet they don't live in sin anymore because the love of God is driving them to do what's right. Why? Because the essence of the word is inside of them, the Holy Spirit. But the real transition is for us to develop to get what's inside of us in our minds. Through the written word, for understanding, a rightly dividing the word of truth, becoming a workman, not being ashamed. Understanding. There's a reformation. There's a transformation that occurs. And this is what we have to consider. Listen to me. If the presence of God and a burning bush required Moses to take off his sandals because he, worked on, he walked on holy ground. How much more the presence of God in our hearts should we have to comply? Okay, the baby God. I don't know about any of you out there. Let me say it again. If God's presence in a bush made the ground holy, how much more would God's presence in our hearts make us holy? We have to comply. We have to comply like Moses. Here's the key to the covenant that God made to Moses and any other person. When God first introduces himself 
to an individual that he's going to use. He will give them his revelation of the name in which he will flow through them. So he met Moses and he said, Moses, take the shoes off your feet for the ground you're walking on is holy. And then he said, who do I tell Israel? Who do I tell the, the, the people who sent me? He said, I am that I am, Yahweh. I am the self-existing one. He could not limit himself to, to Moses. He had to be everything to him. Everything. But the first thing Moses had to understand was God was holy. This is why throughout everything in the scripture, when you begin to read about Moses, what the priests were supposed to do, why the blood had to be through every area of the tabernacle, is because God's presence was holy. That's why God killed Uzzah. It was in the command, touch not the anointed thing, lest you die. When they touched the Ark of the Covenant. The first thing... David mentions concerning God when he introduced himself to him outside of the bear and the lion and the bear was when he met Goliath, he said, you come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And this is what made David a warring king. That revelation and that anointing that was flowing through him to face Goliath would be the very mark and the point of contact for his faith for God to use him throughout his kingship. He was a warrior because he knew the Lord of heaven's host of armies. Oh, some of y'all get it. Some of you are not, I guess. I don't know. Okay, you on YouTube right now. Are you getting this right now? Facebook, are you understanding? Because here's what's going on right now. The revelation of the understanding of the covenant that God made with us through Jesus Christ has all the covenants in it. Okay. Maybe you ate too much before you got here. Let me show you this diagram. You ready? Maybe I'm just needy. Here we go. Egypt. Egypt. When we were in Egypt, this is parallel. This is parallel to our walk with God. Keep in mind, remember, Jesus said, I'm going to explain to the disciples when he met with them for 40 days and 40 nights. You want to know what the word, I believe the number 40 represents transition, testing. 40 days, 40 nights, he explained to them. But in Egypt, which we all were in Egypt, Foreigners, strangers. This is where in order for them to be delivered from it, the final act was the blood. When God brought you out, he brought you out through the blood and you received forgiveness. Forgiveness brought you out and then God required you to enter the kingdom through baptism. Your baptisms, why do you think after Egypt, God took them through the Red Sea? Do you think it's coincidence that it was the Red Sea? It was a type of baptism. Those was an example of baptisms. The scripture says that even in the Bible, it was the clouds above that covered them from the heavens and the earthly waters that were underneath them and beside them and around them that when they walked through with Egypt, God washed them free from it. That's what happened when you were water baptized. God got the Egypt out of your heart and circumcised it. And when he put his spirit inside of you, he put a new nature. And now... Through Moses and the transition, he established his covenant with Abraham. Oh, my God. Woo. I'm going to do a grito, my strito myself, whatever it's called. I'm going to grito. About to hoi up here, man. I'm telling you right now, you need to understand this is real for you. For today, this is the covenant God established. Anybody praying in this building? Come on, 1230. You got more excitement than that. Now, this is where most people live. Yes, this is where they live. The wilderness was a place of growth and testing. 
Most people think after their baptisms that it's supposed to be good, all well. Little do they know they still have to get rid of the Egypt in their heart. Now, Jesus didn't have sin, but he had to fulfill all righteousness. So guess what happened? Israel, watch this, watch this. You ready? Israel had to go through, out of Egypt by the blood, through the baptisms into the wilderness before they began fulfilled the promise. God sent Moses to come in. He established the brazen altar, the blood. He established the laver, the water. He established the holy place, which was a place of growth for the priest. And then they would enter and have a chance to be interceded by the high priest and the most holy. Jesus came and was born, got his blood from heaven. And then he was water baptized. And then also the spirit descended upon him. Then he went into the wilderness. Then he came out with power. I was just having fun. (laughs) The wilderness can become a place where you stay with an Egyptian mentality while trying to live for God under a new covenant. Doesn't happen like that. This is where most, most people that don't understand the power of God and the anointing that they have or what God has to offer, they stay in a religious mindset and they're constantly going in circles, never experiencing miracles, never experiencing deliverance, never experiencing healing, never experiencing favor, never experiencing beyond their own limitations in their mind, still struggling with their family, still going by. Moses said it like this and they said, we've come past this mountain long enough. They kept going in circles in the wilderness. You know what you want to know what the definition of insanity is? It's going in circles. But until you understand that God put the law there and the commandments for us to abide by, to get us free, to prepare us to enter into another pagan territory. You see, throw that back up there. I'm not done. You know, I'm not done. Look between Egypt and the promised land. You know that promised land, he said, I'll give you a land flowing with milk and honey. But he didn't tell them somebody else owned the cows and the bees. Pagan worshipers. They were supposed to go into a territory that was filled with false gods Those spirits were there. They would go and inhabit those places, and they had to take what they learned from the wilderness, from the signs and the wonders with them in their hearts. That's why God had to wait for a new generation and raise up a Joshua who was a type of Jesus that would go and lead them into the promised land. And the first city became the first fruits of the promised land. That's why God said, don't touch the gold. Don't touch the silver. Kill everything. That's the first fruits to me. And Achan took the jewelry, took the silver, took the gold, and it brought a curse on them. Anything that belongs to God that you still have becomes a curse. But when you put it back in God's hand, it becomes a blessing. The fulfillment of the promised land was a place of maturity where they would walk in the anointing under the direction of a Joshua or a Jesus and take the land. You see, in this process, God is trying to develop us and go through the testing. So like Jesus, when he went into the wilderness, overcame temptation and came out with power. Once they went through the wilderness, went through the process, they learned the lesson. It took a generation later, but they walked in dominion there. You see, in the wilderness, you learn how to be a priest. In the promised land, you learn how to exercise your reign as a king. What did they do? They took over every king that was in those lands. The anointing. 
So when you walk in your maturity, in your promise, it's the fulfillment of everything God gave you because now you're able to withstand temptation. Now you're able to not fall into the same cycles and you're now a holy nation, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now you can see what you're doing. Now God will back up what you're doing and now you can take territory. How is this applied in your life? Every Christian has an anointing. It's called, the Je- it's called Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Christ. And when you learn how to walk in that anointing in the place of your assignment, you're not anointed all the time. You can't handle it. Your body can't handle it. But you have to be in his rest and rest in his presence. And then when God calls you for the assignment and your purpose, the anointing flows through you. I feel the anointing right now. It's easy to flow in this, but I know also simultaneously my adrenaline's up a little bit. My mind and my everything is fully going. If I have back pains, it's gone because my nerves are heightened right now by the Holy Ghost. It's amazing what the anointing would do, but here's my point. I can't live here, so, but I have to learn how to walk with him. So when the time comes and there's a Goliath or a lion or a bear or a Canaan land or Jericho or whatever it may be, all I've got to do is just carry over what I've been carrying the whole time. That's why they in the wilderness, God made the tabernacle. But when they went over the Jordan, they put the presence of God on their shoulders and began to walk around. And it wasn't by power. It wasn't by might. But God had them carry the Ark of the Covenant for seven days around them but on the last day seven times all they had to do was give a shout and when that shout came out it was the shout that brought the walls down don't tell me the anointing isn't big enough the anointing isn't strong enough you've got authority God's prepared you all the testing that you have been through All of the trials that you have been through has been nothing more than an education to grow you. Now God is fixing to take you and take you to a new place. There's no devil that can stand in front of you because you dealt with enough of them in the wilderness. You've learned how to live thin. You've learned how to budget. You've learned how to pinch your pennies. You've learned how to just live off of bread coming from out of nowhere. But now it's going to give you, God is going to give you a land that flows with milk and honey. I prophesy to us right now that we're entering into a land of wealth. We're entering into a time of progression and understanding of the kingdom. And there are going to be people in this building. A spirit of prophecy is on me right now. There are going to be people in this congregation that will lay hands on the sick, that will lay hands on the demon oppressed, that will begin to set captives free. God is going to raise up people with ministries in this assembly because you're going to walk in maturity. The promised land is the Holy Ghost in your heart. The wilderness is when you first have God, but he doesn't have you yet. See, a lot of Christians are just water baptized and they're sufficed with that and they enter into the promised land and they don't know what to do with his presence. But when they get the power of Christ and he writes his law, spirit, in their spirit, in their hearts, they begin to follow after him, but they have to go through the testing because remember this, whatever hasn't been tested can't be trusted. But once you have been tested, once you have gone through the process, God says, I can trust you. I trust you. I know what you do when temptation comes your way. I know what you do when you're attacked by the devil. The devil knows what you do when you're attacked by him. That's why he's still messing with you. Because when he touches you and gives you a feeling and begins to attack you in different ways, you don't praise, you don't pray, you don't worship. That's why he keeps messing with you. But every time he messes with you, if you'll start to go into your prayer closet and get your prayer, praise on and get get to speaking in tongues praying in the spirit i'm gonna tell you after a while he's gonna say that doesn't work we gotta stop that he just keeps getting worse 
That's what happened to Israel when they were in Egypt. The more they oppressed them, the more they grew. That's how God does with us. The more pressure we got, the more we grow. That's why some of you, God doesn't want to take you out of your problems because you won't pray without them. But if you learn how to pray in the good times, if you learn how to pray when you're blessed, if you learn how to walk with him when the sun is still shining and not just go to him when things are good, when things are bad, God says I can trust him. No matter how good it gets, they're still going to worship me. Because if the devil can't get you with failure, he'll get you with success. Who am I talking to here this Sunday afternoon? This is different than all the services I'm telling you. There's a stronger anointing. There's something being released upon us here today. I normally don't do this, but there's an anointing here. There's a strong anointing here. A spirit of God is in this building releasing. I feel God like a chiropractor coming in and just leveling everything out, straightening everything out, aligning our spirit right now. I feel like God has us on the table and he's pulling stuff out of our spirit and he's allowing things to be removed and it's allowing us to be poured into and strengthening us. When the spirit of God is developing you, when the spirit of God is testing you, don't blame God foolishly and don't get your hearts hardened by unbelief. Comply. Trust God. He's going to get you through because if God called you to it, he'll get you. Come on, somebody. Hey. Somebody say, Lord Jesus, mature me. Come on, Alicia. Come on, sweetheart. Come on. This is my, one of my girls. I can call her sweetheart. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Mosaic Covenant was meant to make us God's holy nation. God is always, see, here's the difference. Abraham, all you got to do is believe. But, but, but Moses, I want somebody that people can say they look different. They're God's people. If there's no distinguishing difference between us and the rest of this pagan world, I hate to tell you, well, I don't hate to tell you, I need to tell you right now that, that this world is a direct parallel of the Egyptian culture. These are the same gods, folks. Oh, God. Oh, my God. The same gods that the Egyptians worked. Did you know every plague that God sent to Egypt was to counter their gods that they believed in? Go do the study. All of their gods... God sent a plague to show the Egyptians that they do not have more power than him. In this world right now, the same gods that the Egyptians had are the same gods that are trying to overrun this country. But God has a group of people who have not bowed to, the, to Baal. God has a group of people they have not bowed down to the images of Baal. They have not bowed down to false gods. They have not bowed down to the culture. And they are not, not going to bow down to all of the artists and the industry who have their satanic cults and beliefs. And they will not affect our families. I got to tell you straight up. I have to tell you the truth. Don't allow that garbage in your home. Beyonce, she's a witch. Little nasty, little nasty, whatever they call him. Devil worshipers. All of them. Billie Eilish, Eilid, whatever her name is. Cochina, I don't know who she is. Demonic. And here we are because the beat sounds good. I... <laughs> oh my God. You're opening up your heart to another culture and a system 
What do you think all those beats come from and the words and the lyrics that came from the devil himself who used to be the choir director in heaven? That's where they got it from. That's why he took part. He was part of the culture and the arts and the culture of the heavens. Now when he came into the earth, it's a direct reflection of what he had responsibility for in the heavens. And it came down with organization and structure as well. Most people don't think that hell is organized. Hell is more organized than the church today. But when the church understands kingdom, and the church understands process, and the church understands kings and priests, and the church begins to understand anointing, and the church begins to get holy and live right and denounce all the works of Satan. This is the word that God gave me for you. Denounce. I've said it every service. Denounce. You must denounce the works of darkness. You must denounce all of that cultural inspiration and things because there are some things that we have made covenant with unknowingly and knowingly. Some of you are sitting here, your parents made covenants with demons and not even knowing it. Did I mention my grandfather in this service? My grandfather, y'all don't know this, but don't run out. My grandfather was a witch doctor, a curandera. How many of you know what I'm talking about? My grandfather was a, one of those faith healers, took the egg, right? Cracked it in the water. Doing chants all over me. My mama took me to witch doctors when I was small all the time. And to this day, this familiar spirit, the demon that was with my grandfather, shows up to my cousins every once in a while and my family. And they see my grandfather. That's not my grandfather. That's the spirit that was influencing him. Just like when Saul lost his walk with God. He actually really never had it. But he went to the witches of Endor. And when he went to the witches of Endor, he asked them to beseech Samuel on his behalf. And the scripture says that a figure like Samuel came out from the ground and was scared. That wasn't Samuel. That was a familiar spirit. Once somebody dies, they are forever with the Lord. Everything else is left behind. So every devil knows everything about you. This is why when I go into prayer, I go and I say, God, every demonic spirit, every familiar spirit, you have no place in my life or my family. I set a boundary on you. You see, when, e when Israel went through Egypt, it was the water that represented, it was the water that washed them out and they lost their scent. It represented the blood. The scripture says the water, the spirit, and the blood all are in agreement. That's why it was the Red Sea. When you're water baptized, did you know that if hell was a dog, those hounds of hell, they lose their scent when you're baptized because of the blood. You've got, if you've got Egypt chasing you and all their gods and all these spirits messing with you, get water baptized in Jesus' name. If you have a problem with keeping the law and living not, and, and, and see, we're not under the law, we're under grace. Here's why. See, God didn't do away with adultery, stealing, and murder. He didn't do away with that stuff. They're still there. Now, we don't follow. He fulfilled the, the law. Now, we don't have to eat certain foods and so like that because those are traditional. Those are the things that were covenantal. They had a physical type. But in the heart, there are still issues with some things we can't do. And when he was tested and they came to him and they said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, to love the Lord thy God. All your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Why? Because when you love God, he puts his spirit in you. You can't love God unless he first loves you. And when the spirit is walking through you, you're not sinning anymore. So you're not under the law because you're not sinning. You're under grace. Grace is the power of God inside of you to keep you from sin. When you fail in sin, mercy forgives you and grace picks you up. So the blood is applied. See, the blood of the lamb comes into our life to wash us to forgive us but it's our responsibility to walk in his commandments as we obey him he said if you love me keep my commandments the only way to keep them is by the spirit of God in our lives under a new covenant where he said I will write them on your hearts and you will be I will be your God and now you will be my people that's why when we fell in sin now God doesn't say I'll wipe you all out he took that all out on Jesus. But we do have to get back up. And 
You won't be living in a blessed life if you're staying in sin. But guess what? The blood of Jesus and the grace of God is there to empower you to get out of that. Sin is sin. It's something you don't have to live with. You don't have to live with addiction. You don't have to live with depression. You don't have to live with all of these issues in your life because Jesus took all the issues at the cross and he poured out his spirit and you can be free. God wants to free you. God wants to deliver you. God wants you to get through the wilderness and walk in your promise. Will you stand to your feet here this afternoon? Thank you for enduring me. I went past my time, but I'm going to tell you, it felt good anyways. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Will you lift up your hands? Will you just surrender to his presence? If this was a little over your head, come to me after service. I'll explain it to you. But for right now, will you just trust him? Will you just surrender? Will you renew it? Will you renew your covenant with him? Will you just begin to renounce things that you feel like have been, that have come into your life, into your family? We can just say, Lord, I renounce every demonic oppression, every demonic spirit, everything that has come between me and you. I denounce all these things that they're not going to come into my family. They're not going to come into my life. They're not going to come into my house. I denounce every ungodly covenant right now. I will not walk in the same thing that my grandfather walked in. My children and my grandchildren will never see those things come into their life because they stop with me. They stop with me. We will live a holy life by the blood of Jesus. We will walk in your commandments and keep your law and obey them because we're going to abide in you and you're going to abide in us. And there's nothing we can't do together, God. We will walk in our promises. Say it with me right now. We will walk through this wilderness. We will walk through this promise. Some of you are walking in promises right now. Some of you have just entered into it, and God wants to break down every stronghold, every everything the enemy has built in your mind. God's going to deliver you from you, deliver you from that religious mindset, from that doubt, from that fear, and that unbelief. God's going to establish his city. God's going to build his kingdom. God's going to use you to tear down the walls. God's going to do it through you and your family. Somebody just begin to praise him and begin to worship him. In the name of Jesus, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, we surrender to you, almighty God, almighty God, the great I am, the great I am right now. Come on, will you pray with Pray with your family. Husbands and wives, pray together. Children, just lift up your hands. Let's lift up your hands. Let's worship. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.